name of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. These things are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. I had some good news this week, which uh, started off being really good news and then turned into what I would consider to be modestly good news. I was reading the results of a survey that someone has done about sermons. And I'll just read you the uh, concluding summary. Point one. People responded positively to sermons and looked forward to them. I can just imagine you on your way here, just as you were trying to get out of the house and doing all the things you had. I've got to get out of the house because I'm really looking forward to the sermon nice to think that, wouldn't it? Well, that's, that's a good point. Point two. Sermons tend to have their biggest impact on how people feel rather than on how people act. So, all I need to do is to tell you a very short story that makes you feel good, then I can sit down and we can get on with the rest of the service. Because it's not going to affect the way that you do anything, apparently. Sermons do provide a majority of respondents with a sense of God's love, but they don't impact strongly on the way people understand events in the news and controversial issues. Well, we'll be coming back to that, and um, I'll, I'll try and give you something to think about along those lines. Point four, they don't frequently change people's attitudes towards other people. Finally, and basically, Sermons tend to affect respondents on the inside of their lives rather than on the outside. In other words, they don't have any effect at all <laughs> in the way that those of us who preach sermons would like them to have, which is that since we have a message about a life-changing person, about Jesus Christ, that that should change our lives. Well, I've read all that, and, and, and that's why I'm modestly encouraged, that at least you came thinking it was, you were going to enjoy the sermon, or some of you did. Now I'm, I'm going to try and do the impossible, which is to make you act on what I'm going to say. And as we go on, I have an inducement for you. I thought we'd talk about politics today. It's been difficult to avoid it for the last few days since the announcement of the election date. And you probably thought, I'm looking forward to the sermon because at least I won't hear anything about the general election. <laughs> well, you were wrong. And while it's still fresh on your minds, and while you're still thinking with um, blue-eyed excitement about our politicians and how wonderful they are, I thought I'd have a few words to say about that. But I want to put it in the context of our Gospel reading, the story of Thomas. Now, Thomas was probably a bit like most of us would like to be at least. He had a fair measure of common sense. He was down to earth. He was logical. And he didn't necessarily believe what others told him. And these weren't even politicians. And yet, and yet something happened to him. When 
after he'd expressed all those kind of things, after he'd said to the other disciples, you're pulling my leg, Jesus is dead, dead is dead, people don't come back from the dead, you must have been seeing things. And they said to him, well Thomas, we saw what we saw, and what we suggest is that you perhaps stick a bit more closely with us, and perhaps it will happen again. And happen again is what it did a week later, and Thomas was there. And when he saw Jesus, all that common sense, all that logic, all that down-to-earthness just fell away. He didn't need to do those physical things that he'd said he wanted to do. He just said, my Lord and my God. Kind of basic profession of faith. He needed to see Jesus with his own eyes. And then Jesus goes on to say, well, okay, Thomas, not too bad, but how much better it's going to be for those who don't have the advantage of seeing me, but yet do believe in me and in my message. And Thomas and the other disciples were utterly transformed by the fact of the resurrection from being people who were huddled together in a room with the doors locked hardly daring to speak at Pentecost they were people who went out into the marketplace and proclaimed the good news about Jesus come what may and if that isn't a transformation in their lives I don't know what is our lives should also be transformed and as we follow the way of Jesus Christ there is no area of our lives which is separate which God is not interested in even politics politicians and elections so we have to address these matters even if we don't want to I also know being realistic that in this constituency this part of the world as indeed in most of the constituencies in our country, although it's not necessarily the same party, our vote doesn't seem to count very much. One party here, just as there are, is one party in many other places where they could almost appoint a monkey and people would still vote for the monkey. That, I'm afraid, seems to be the reality of our political life and our electoral system be that as it may we still have the opportunity privilege and honour of being able to cast our vote and I'd like to suggest a few ways that we might consider doing that I don't mind how you vote I can suggest ways and I think you might like to think about voting I don't mind how you vote but there is one who does who does care passionately about the way that you put a cross in a box it was a convent and um, there was also a school attached to the convent and the nuns provided meals for the pupils and the nuns were quite wise and they knew what children are like there was a beautiful, beautiful bowl of red apples at one end of the table and the nuns, cautious 
to a fault, possibly, had put quite a big notice beside the bowl of apples. Take one apple only. God is watching you. At the other end of the table, there was a plate of biscuits, chocolate biscuits, so also quite attractive to children. The nuns hadn't, rather foolishly, I think, written a notice for there, so the children thought they'd better supply their own, and one bright spark wrote, Take as many biscuits as you like. God's watching the apples. <laughs> but God's not like that. God is going to be watching what you do in the polling booth. How might we approach this question of putting a cross in a box? And what I suggest is that the question we shouldn't ask is which party is going to be best for me because that's the way of the world we do tend to vote particularly where we think our economic interest lies and lies is what we're getting a lot of at the moment in reality we're in a mess and nobody wants to tell us how bad it is but that's only one way of looking at it and I want to suggest that that's not the way that we as Christians should look at it how should we? well we should take our tone from Jesus who did Jesus associate with? was it the rich and the powerful? was it the people who had an economic interest in the well-being of the country of Judea? or was it for example with the tax collectors? one of the most despised section of sections of the community or with the prostitutes the people that the upright citizens had nothing to do with or the sinners in general the people who knew what they were worth and knew that they were worth very little in the world's terms but thought that perhaps Jesus had something to offer them as a route to God and indeed he had in fact he told the rich man or he said about the rich man it's harder for someone with wealth to get into the kingdom of heaven than it is for the camel to pass through the eye of a needle that's how hard it is and yet just as in our own society we worship those who have more than enough of these worlds, this world's goods we worship those who apparently have celebrity and do we not in all honesty pass by on the other side when we see a beggar what I want to suggest is that instead of asking the question which party is going to be best for me we ask the, the question which party is going to be best for those at the bottom of the heap by the bottom of the heap to bring it home to us in terms that we might recognize a little about given our sermons during Lent I suggest that we might be talking about someone who makes their way to the Reading drop-in center someone who hasn't got somewhere somewhere to lay their head for the night someone who perhaps hasn't had a square meal for days on end someone who is treated badly 
by all the upright citizens. We're giving money to the Reading Drop-In Centre and I suggest that we should give our vote to whichever party we think it is that will do best for people like that. The people who really are in need, even in our own hugely wealthy and affluent society. That, I think, is the question. That, I think, is the question that God is interested in because that's the sort of question that Jesus was interested in. And so, if it challenges our preconceptions, all well and good. I said earlier on that I was going to offer you an inducement. I'm very happy to do that because I want to demonstrate that this survey about sermons is not right. I want to demonstrate that something I've said this morning can have an effect. And so after the election, if you come to me and say, as a result of your sermon, I voted for a different party than I was going to, I will give you £5 to give to the charity of your choice. And I'm hoping, since I've made this offer at all three services this morning, I'm hoping to be bankrupt. <laughs> Which perhaps is why I've fixed a holiday for the first three weeks in May. <laughs> but I did that before I knew the election date. I would love to give you £5 for you to give away, if you can just say that to me. Which will both affirm what I'm saying and will demonstrate that this survey is wrong. That actually, not only do we come to church to listen to a sermon and to feel good about it and about ourselves, we come because sometimes the preacher may be speaking directly from God to us. And five pounds, after all, is a small price to pay for that, for me. These things are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life, like Thomas transforming life, you may have life in his name. So to him be the glory for ever and ever. 